Well, this morning we're continuing our series of scripture talks called Do Life Differently. And if you recall, the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he said, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And so Paul understood as he spoke and taught to the Roman church that the uh, Jesus-following community were to live their lives differently than the world around them. In fact, if we want to understand this idea of holiness, to be holy is really to live differently. And so um, this concept of holiness is not an idea that's... um, started or initiated by the Apostle Paul, but it has Older Testament roots, of course. Um, And Jesus himself taught his disciple friends when he said that you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world in Matthew chapter 5. So there was this distinctive quality of the Jesus following community that was not to just blend in and be like the world, but to be qualitatively different. And so as we continue this series of scripture talks called Do Life Differently, um, it's based on the book of Philippians. And um, if you recall last week, Pastor Gary spoke about be bold. And then two weeks ago, we talked about be discerning. Today, we're going to talk about be united. It's really just the next passage that Pastor Gary led us through last week. Um, On the other side of identifying our differences is the opportunity for us to grow in the area of acceptance, love, and unity. And uh, what follows our experience of unity is uh, a beautiful experience of the generous blessing of God. And so it was David who wrote in Psalm 133, verses 1 and 5, he says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And so it is a wonderful thing to experience unity. And it's a beautiful thing to be well positioned for the blessing of God. And so um, our passage to ponder is taken from Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 5 through 8. Um, Philippians, again, takes the form of a um, cluster of, we could call, mini blogs or essays. And then at the center or at the, at the center of gravity, so to speak, is this passage from Philippians chapter 2 that really um, has lots to say about what precedes it and what follows it. And so it's literally like the hinges on a door uh, that help us turn the pages of the book of Philippians. And so here's Paul writing uh, for us and uh, for his first century readers. Um, He says, in your relationships with one another, again, extremely pragmatic. When we think about theological truth and biblical uh, understanding, it always gets boiled down to real life application. So Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God or status with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so Jesus died to bring um, an alienated group of people, which is us back to the father. In other words, to reconcile um, us to himself. And so uh, if we understand anything about the cross, it's about how God loves unity, how God loves to be together with his good creation. And we understand by looking at the self-sacrificing love of God, that God himself is willing to, in Christ, pay the price so that we can have union with him again. And so um, this is the premise of our teaching this morning. 
Uh, before we take a look at our text, which is really just the next cluster of verses following where Pastor Gary left off last week, um, I want us to take a look at a, um, a part of the gospel, John chapter 17, where Jesus offers a prayer for himself, for his disciple friends, and then for all who would come to know him or put their saving faith in him through the witness of his disciples, which is us, those of us who put our saving faith in Jesus. And so I have two thoughts for us this morning as we make our way through this teaching. The first one is this, the family of God, the one church, many expressions principle. The family of God, the one church, many expressions principle. And uh, just before we take a look at John 17, um, I, I often wonder um, to the outside world how confusing it must be when they look at all the various denominational expressions of the one church. Um, there are over 45,000 denominations worldwide that um, help connect the over 2 billion Jesus-following people. And to an outsider who doesn't understand all the um, emphases of different denominations, it must be somewhat confusing to them. Uh, just as most of us wouldn't understand the theological or the practical distinctions between a, a Shia and a Sunni Muslim, uh, so the world around us probably scratches their head at the vast array of diverse expressions and denominations within the one Christian community. Um, so central to our understanding of uh, this idea of unity today is this. Unity is not uniformity. It's not sameness. Um, God is not into cloning. In fact, God loves diversity. Um, and unity is not simply tolerance. Uh, it may include tolerance, but it goes way beyond it. Um, there's a celebration of our differences and a recognition that our differences can be complementary. Um, li listen to this. If we have any concern about whether God loves diversity, may it be once and for all settled here. Uh, Romans chapter 1 talks about how we get to uh, gain some insight uh, about the character of God by looking at what he's made. We can see uh, the divine through the natural world that we live in. So listen to this. There are 60,065 different species of trees, 30,000 different kinds of beetles in the United States alone, over 10,000 different kinds of birds, over 30,000 different kinds of fish, and of the 7.9 billion different people on the planet, we each have a unique DNA. So according to God's uh, creative program, um, sameness is boring. Uh, and unity in the face of diversity is absolutely beautiful. And, and who wants to paint in black and white when we have over 10,000, listen to this, over 10,000 colors on the color spectrum that we can access? Who wants to be a part of something that sees only in a black and white world when there is so much within the kaleidoscope of God's creative color scheme for each of us? So when humans are not at their best, we fail to appreciate uh, the kaleidoscope of colors and demand sameness and uniformity. And when we're thriving, we accept and celebrate unity in the face of diversity. Um, I think people can be afraid sometimes and feel unnecessarily threatened by that which they don't understand. And that can lead to a small circle of belonging. Now, within the family of God, is it possible for us to make our circle bigger, just even a little bit bigger? And maybe for some of us, a whole lot bigger by considering the beauty and the goodness and the God-sanctioned diversity that he has put together in this world. 
and he's inviting us to celebrate it and to enjoy it. And so here's John 17, the prayer of Jesus, uh, beginning at verse 20. He's praying again, not for himself in this moment or for his disciples, but for all who would come to believe in him through their disciple, through the witness of the disciples. So here's his prayer. My prayer is not for them alone, which is the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. A couple of times here, Jesus repeats his petition to the Father that the believing community, which is us, that we would be one, one with God and one with each other. And then he also says, at least twice in this passage, that our oneness has an impact on our witness. And so our unity matters because when we are united, we reflect the nature and the character of God. Um, God is always moving from plurality to oneness. Right at the beginning of the biblical story, we hear that it's not good that man be alone. He'll make a helper or a partner suitable for him. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And so God is always moving from plurality to oneness. And when we consider who God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there are three persons within the one God. And so we have this um, community of oneness. And uh, Ephesians 2 talks about how God has in Christ destroyed this dividing wall of hostility that kept Jews from Gentiles. He was looking to build one family. And in Revelation, we're told that at the end of days, when God makes everything new, there'll be no more sea. There'll be no reason to fear. There'll be no separation for we will be one community. And so God is always looking to build a community of oneness where there is union with God and with each other. And so um, when we pursue unity, we pursue an expression of the character and the nature of God to ourselves and to the world around us. Um, also, our unity matters because the gospel is more clearly announced with less distraction. And when Jesus was praying in John 17 that our unity would have an impact on our world, he said that the world will know that you sent me. So on another occasion, the Lord Jesus taught us that um, the world around us would know that we're his disciples by our love for one another. And then now in John 17, he says that the world will know that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, that he is the uh, son of God, the unique one of a kind son of God um, by our unity as the body of Christ. We stand together and we choose to move toward one another, accepting each other, celebrating our diversity pushing back against uniformity and sameness, but celebrating our differences. So our disunity and our fragmentation appears to be problematic according to Jesus, and it presents a distraction to the world. Agreeing to disagree while remaining united re requires the Spirit's work and wisdom. So now let's turn our attention. Uh, and by the way, we get an opportunity to be the answer to Jesus' prayer. Every time we choose to overlook an offense, every time we choose to look across a, a divide of difference and we accept and not just tolerate, but choose to love, uh, we get to be the yes to Jesus' prayer. So again, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, uh, Pastor Gary concluded last week at verse 26, so we're just carrying on. Listen to the eight references to um, 
commonality, unity, and oneness found in this passage. Okay, so here's Paul. He says, whatever happens, because there is a measure of uncertainty in life, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. There are so many things in life that are beyond our control. How people respond to us, how people treat us, even within the church community. There may be things we don't like, we don't appreciate, things that we trip over along the way. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. And so Paul is writing from this first century Roman prison, and he has had some struggles as it relates to persecution and hardship and difficulty. And he says, Christ has appointed us to suffer as well. And we don't like to claim those promises in scripture, but they're true. And when we right-size our expectations of what life in the kingdom of God looks like, we'll be better prepared to deal with the challenges that come our way. And, um, and so he continues on here. He says, therefore, in light of all that you've just um, read, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. That's not the same as sameness. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition because that's the antithesis of unity when we put self at the center. It says, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so when we are united, our effectiveness increases as a witnessing community. We are better together. There is complementary, um, there's a complementarism, is that the right term? For uh, when we bring our diverse gifts and personality and temperament and backstory and all of that stuff together, uh, we complement each other. And as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, the body, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. We need each other. Our effectiveness increases when we're unified. Our fear is diminished when we choose unity and, uh, and our values change. We is esteemed and emphasized over me. Uh, these are really important things. We have a tendency to fear or to push back um, or to be potentially intimidated by those things we don't understand. And so sometimes diversity, because it might be new to us, we can shrink back from it. And uh, there is so much flavor that's added to life when we get around diversity. And uh, I know at King Street Community Church, there is more and more diversity that's happening all the time. There's more and more diversity in our, in our community, in the Durham region, and it's a wonderful thing to celebrate. And uh, we're in many ways learning what it means as a human family to um, not just tolerate each other, but to celebrate our diversity. And really, there isn't anything to be afraid of. We just need to expose ourselves to that diversity and enjoy it. It's like an acquired taste. We actually say, wow, you know, uniformity and sameness, that doesn't engage me anymore. Diversity is beautiful. It's the flavor of life. And when we put we in place of me, 
all of a sudden we're starting to live out what it means to be the church community, the body of Christ. Okay, number two, relationships, division, and the kingdom of God. Um, this is called the sword of primary loyalty principle. That's a mouthful. Let me say that again. Relationships, division, and the kingdom of God. Um, the sword of primary loyalty principle. Let me explain what I mean as I go through this. Um, the best way to responsibly interpret scripture is to cross compare passages. Um, because if we isolate a verse of scripture, take it out of its context, if we don't read it in light of the larger revelation of Genesis through revelation, then we will miss the forest for the trees. And it's easy to make one passage of scripture say something when it stands alone, rather than using or taking a look at the one passage and comparing it to the rest of what God has said in the entire scriptures. Um, when we look at a passage and we don't look at the rest of what's revealed to us, we can have a lopsided view of God, a lopsided view of the Christian life and the Christian faith. And so we need to be careful that we don't just take a passage and read it in isolation. So let me share a few passages that maybe on the surface look complementary and then contradictory, and we'll bring it all together, okay? So here we go. First one is Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Jesus says these words in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Um, Jesus elevates those who make the effort to build bridges and to bring alienated parties together. Uh, this is what the Son of God did when he died on the cross. He surrendered his life. We saw a manifestation of the self-sacrificing love of God in Jesus. And he was the ultimate peacemaker. Uh, by stepping into the chasm, so to speak, and reconciling us to God. And now Jesus says, everyone who goes out and sets their hand to building bridges, not burning them, and bringing uh, alienated parties together is acting like the Son of God in his ministry. In fact, Paul writes again in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the importance of all of us having a ministry of reconciliation. And so blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Another passage. So let's hold that one out there for just a moment. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's a beautiful, beautiful reminder for us, again, in keeping with what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5, that we ought to do our part in um, living at peace with everyone. Um, now, again, Paul gives a caveat there and says, you can do your part, but if somebody's not prepared to do their part, you can still, in some ways, not have a relationship of peace. It's not whole or it's not characterized by the way God would want it to be. There is a missing piece. There may be forgiveness offered by one party, but reconciliation is missing because it takes two people to want to have a relationship. It takes two people to want to turn toward each other. And so Paul says we should make every effort. We shouldn't just be lazy about it or apathetic about it. We should make every effort to do this. As far as it depends on us, live at peace with everyone. It's a helpful prescription for believers to pursue peace, especially in the family of God, but that applies across all of our relationships. All right, here's the last one. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 to 37. This will now appear, the first two appear complementary. The last one appears to be contradictory. So let me read it to you and then we'll remember its context and we'll wrap up with a couple of thoughts and then go from there. So here's Matthew 10, verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, these are the words of Jesus, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. This is what Jesus says. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, he says, but a sword. 
For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Okay, so we have to hit the pause button for just a moment. Jesus is talking about blessed are the peacemakers. And then he says, oh, by the way, I haven't come to bring peace, but rather I've come to bring a sword. Jesus seems to be saying that life in the kingdom of God, there is a separation, so to speak, that can happen. Uh, there is a, an apparent division that takes place. And it's actually our faith in Jesus that can bring about the division. Now, I just need to pause for just a moment. The context of this passage is Jesus inviting us to give full allegiance and loyalty to him. And when we do that, when he has supreme loyalty and he is at the center of our life, the world around us might look at us and think we're strange or odd and even members of our own household may not affirm our good decision to follow Jesus. And it may serve our saving faith, our allegiance to Christ may actually serve as a point of division within our own families. But that passage is not to be understood in the life of the Christian community. That is to be understood as the kingdom of God lives beside the kingdom of this world. But when we join Jesus on his mission and we join the church, the body of Christ, this passage, there should be no swords. Uh, there should be unity and harmony and there should be a sense of commonality and like-mindedness as Paul wrote to the Philippians. So the application for today is this. Fear can keep us from what matters most in life. When we are uh, exposed to newness, we can sometimes push back. And so I want to encourage you today to make space in your heart for the Holy Spirit to work. If you're a Jesus following person, to look across the Christian community and celebrate the diversity. 45,000 denominations. Will we ever become just one denomination? No, and maybe that wouldn't even be good because there are all sorts of personalities and temperaments that churches adopt so that they can reach certain kinds of people. Uh, we're an intergenerational family here at King Street Community Church. We try to reach as many people as possible, but we know we have our limitations. Thanks be to God, there are some other tremendous churches in the Durham region that reach people we would never reach. And so we partner, we affirm, we pray for them. And so sameness is not the same as unity. Sameness and uniformity, um, they're, they're, they're bland. They're not what we were made for because our God loves diversity. And uh, thanks be to God that we're all unique and uh, there's a place for all of us in the kingdom of God. And so uh, we need to stop trying to fit in and start being our authentic selves because it's then when the spirit can shine brightly through us and make us so incredibly useful in the kingdom of God. Let me pray for you and then we'll send it back to our host pastors. Father, thank you again today for peace and grace. Thank you that you call us to be one body and you invite us, Lord, to... Um, reflect your character in the world and to peel back some of the distractions that keep um, the world around us from seeing the clarity of the gospel. Uh, we pray God again that you would help us not to be afraid of uh, diversity, but to celebrate it and uh, help us Lord to um, again, banish the notion that sameness is best. Instead, Lord, help us to, uh, to step in, not just tolerate one another, but to truly celebrate and to step into the diversity that really pleases your heart. So God, we love you and we choose to um, Agree to disagree on some matters and celebrate our uniqueness. And uh, most importantly, thanks be to God that your spirit's working, bringing us together. And uh, 
We give you thanks for this and we pray all of these things in the name of God who is forever Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.